Good morning, everybody. This is the Castron Adventurous's podcast with Heather and Ute, the show for women who love horses, travel, and adventure. My name is Ute, and I'm happy to welcome you to another exciting episode. One word before we start. If you like this show, please give us a rating or review on your podcast players. This will help in keeping this podcast up and running. Also, tell your friends about it so more like-minded women can find us and start listening. Thank you. And today it's time to talk about books again. Uh, you know very well that I love reading books. And I have invited another author um, to introduce her book today. And it's Claire Eckert, who has been here before. I think it was in episode 200, so it's been a while. And Claire has written another book. Um, it's called Race Against Time. And it's a true life story. It's a story of a girl, her pony, and the way to the Tavis Cup. And it is really a lovely, lovely story. Otherwise, I wouldn't introduce uh, this book to you here in this place. And uh, yeah, I'm happy that Claire has agreed to do this interview, to talk uh, with me about her book, about the story behind it. And I'm already giving a little spoiler. Next week, I'll bring you the protagonists of this book. I'm talking with Kyla and Natalie Law, um, the mother-daughter uh, duo who's actually featured as the main protagonist in this book. So it's actually a kind of double episode with today's and next week's episode. I'm super excited. Let's just start And yeah, go to the show. We are explorers. We are trailblazers. We love to do what cannot be done. We love to test our limits, cross borders, and we love the freedom horses bring us. We seek lands without fences. Who are we? We are equestrian adventuresses. We are a community of women who love horses, travel, and adventure. To infinity and beyond. And now your hosts, Uta and Heather. And before we head straight into today's episode, I wanted to let you know about a great resource for equestrian travelers. We offer you complimentary the Equestrian Adventurous Travel Series ebooks, which you can download free of charge from our website. There are three books so far. One is about horse travel in the US, the second one is about horse travel worldwide, and the third one is about volunteering and working with horses abroad. All books are loaded with lots of valuable information to help you choose and prepare for your dream equestrian vacation. There are destination guides, travel tips, addresses and descriptions of selected outfitters and stables abroad. And the best is you can download these ebooks totally free of charge from our website. If you prefer a paperback copy you can take around with you while sitting in the garden or reading it on the beach, you can buy those from Amazon. This is a super valuable travel resource we offer you to have to help you having your own personal equestrian adventure abroad. And if that's not enough resource for your next equestrian holiday, grab our Horse Riding in Every Country Guide, which offers more than 400 riding outfitters, companies and stables in eight, 180 plus countries. Did you know you could go on an equestrian vacation in Senegal? What about Uruguay, Argentina or maybe Lesotho? Start browsing and find the best riding holidays and horseback tours all over the world. And if that's not enough, there's of course plenty of other featured horse books. There's our Around the World in, on 180 Horses series, uh, book one, The Quest for Dracula's Lost Treasure. There's of course our Equestrian Adventuresses short story series. There's uh, Settlers and Sisterhood, which we currently offer you free of charge. Then there's Going the Distance, Have Breaches Will Travel, Horse Nomads, and of course Speaking the Horse Language. 
have a look at our website, uh, equestrianadventures.com, or have a look on Amazon where you can find the paperback copies, the ebooks, and even some as audiobooks. For any further information on our books, just have a look on the website or in the show notes on your podcast player. Yeah, and here we're back again and uh, welcoming Claire Ackert again with us with a new book, Race Against Time. And I'm so happy and glad that she's here to share her amazing story uh, about this very, very special book. Claire, um, welcome very much to this podcast. Thank you. It's so good to be back. Yes. Uh, some of our listeners probably might remember you, but maybe you can just quickly introduce yourself in a couple of words. Sure, absolutely. So when when I was on here before, which was probably about a year ago, awesome. we were talking about um, the first of a fictional series called Gallant, The Call of the Trail. And that's a trilogy that's set in the world of endurance. Um, funnily enough, that 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 series is about a young girl and the relationship with her horse. And it ends up at the end of the trilogy with her doing one of the toughest races in North America, the Tevis Cup. Um, what was uh, started off as a fictional series for me sort of became the subject almost of my nonfiction book, which we're talking about, Race Against Time, because that story is about a very young girl who meets a very feral, untrained hackney pony, uh, very, very small, 46 inches, small even for a hackney. And it's about their uh, four-year adventure of getting to know each other and all of the lessons that they learned together and ultimately uh, him becoming the smallest horse to ever finish the Tevis 100-mile race. So um, there's a few parallels there between the books. And so it was really interesting and exciting for me to, um, to, to really work with a true life story. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, um, I read your book and it's really a very inspiring story. It's a true story. Um, just tell us a little bit, how did you uh, come about uh, Kyla and Flash, uh, who are the protagonists in your story? How did you meet them? So I didn't know them before they completed uh, the Tevis, which was in 2021, so about a year and a half ago now. Um, I had heard about them. Uh, there was a a Facebook page, and there still is, called The Adventures of Flash, the Hackney Pony. And that was following their adventures, and I'd been following along a little bit. So I was aware of them, and I knew that they were uh, going to be at Tevis that year. And they'd become a little bit of a sensation at that point uh, as people followed their journey because they, they uh, knew that if this little pony finished, he would be making history as the smallest horse to ever complete that race. And of course, the Tevis Cup race is, is probably the most famous endurance race in the world. Um, it started in 1955 and sort of spurred the endurance movement, uh, not only in America, but across the world. And very, very well known, very historic trail, um, a lot of amazing uh, athletes, horses and people uh, do that race, and um, there's only usually a 45% completion rate. So it is a very low completion rate for any endurance race. Um, and so what was really fun was just seeing the the effort as these two were training and getting ready and knowing that they were going to, to do it. So um, I didn't know at that time that I would be writing this book. I hadn't even really thought about that. Um, but 
thankfully it came about because it's been a really fun adventure for me to write this story. Yeah, exactly. So you basically wrote the story of Kyla and her pony Flash, um, the kind of very unlikely pair or kind of likely pair. I mean, you can say two um, two souls found each other there. And um, well, they then you basically the book follows uh, the story of their Yeah, of the way to the Tavis Cup, basically. And it's kind of a very interesting story. Um, it's a story we all love to hear about a pony and, and a girl or a girl and a pony. And it's funny how there's the parallels to your uh, to your books uh, about Gallant and Gracie, basically. So I guess it did strike you as well that um, it's kind of very parallel, kind of um, very similar story here, actually. Really, it really is. And, you know, the whole focus of the Gallant books is this amazing relationship between a girl and her her horse and Gallant. It's an Arabian horse. Um, this this story about Kyla and Flash has so many different threads that run through it. There's obviously the uh, little girl who falls in love with a pony. You know, there's that whole thread throughout the story and everything that they achieved together and everything that they had to overcome. Um, there's also the threat of, of bullying, which is such an insidious thing to happen to to a young child, to anybody really, but especially to a child of Kyla's age. When it started, she was uh, four or five years old. And part of her journey with Flash was really overcoming everything that she had gone through uh, with bullying. And um, it had changed her a lot. It had changed who she was. It had made her extremely introverted. Um, she was having a very hard time in school. She was struggling with her grades. Uh, you know, the family could see that she was becoming very isolated. And so part of bringing Flash into her life was to give her something to focus on um, that would take her away from all of that. And coincidentally, Flash was coming to her with his own struggles. He is from uh, a breeding barn and it was one that was actually uh, shutting down. And so he was sort of one of the very last ponies to come out of that. Um, we think that, we don't know his whole story. We think that he had a pretty bad injury when he was about three years old and was put out in a pasture for the next five years and basically uh, wasn't handled very much uh, from that point forward. But he had a very extraordinary fear of human beings and a fear of children in particular, of loud noises. So we think something must have happened to him while he was out in that pasture. You know, we don't know what, but um, we just know that that when he was brought into the training stable of, of Kyla's uh, sort of mentor and trainer, Sheila Wetter in Washington State, um, he was pretty much unhandleable. Um, he was shake in fear. He would tuck his tail between his legs. He would run into the back of the stall. He was very hard to catch, very hard to handle for anything. And so when Sheila introduced Kyla to him, it really was sort of the meeting of two souls that have been damaged uh, by things in their past. And, and I think the most beautiful part of the story is really how they both ended up to be these amazing confident, uh, beautiful human being and equine um, through, throughout their journey together. And I, I just think that without each other, they, they need, neither of them would have really found that 
Um, they really needed that journey that they went through together to, to be able to become the best that they could be. So that was definitely one of my favorite parts of, of writing the story. Yeah. Yeah. That's one of the things I really enjoyed. Um, it's, it is the story of a girl and her pony, but it's not the typical, you know, um, happy horse world book. But, um, as you mentioned already, it's a bullying, it's, um, a horse, a person, you could say the horse definitely was damaged. Um, Kyla also had a very tough, um, yeah, experiences in her childhood with the bullying. Then, of course, there is the constant strain that Kyla's outgrowing flesh. Uh, I think this is one of the things which is usually absent in, um, in Pony World books. Um, but of course, it's very real. Um, we all know, uh, we grow. Girls grow up into, into women and, uh, ponies usually don't grow much, um, more so yeah so there is there's this this constant tension basically with with kyla knowing that she's outgrowing flash and that their journey or their time together is very limited and this sets a kind of pace in your book uh and which kind of also puts a kind of tension into it so um i guess that was also one of the things uh which you which you made intentionally i guess yeah i mean that that was a huge part of the story and you know, you throw into that a worldwide pandemic, which canceled Tevis the year that they they probably and, yeah. thought they could have done it. Um, and that that threw them off by a whole year. And during that year, I think, you know, Kyla probably grew another foot. And I'm, I'm not exaggerating. I mean, she was when you see the pictures of her on Flash at Tevis, she is very tall, you know, to be riding him. The, the, the good thing was she just didn't put on very much weight at all. So uh, they were able to assess and, and you know, make sure that uh, it was reasonable to ask him to still carry her weight. And they did a lot of their training miles without him uh, being ridden at all. He was just running loose uh, like a dog, you know, when they would go out on these 20 mile rides and he would just accompany them. And a lot of his videos on Facebook showed that. And it's it's so fun to see. Um, there was also a younger sister, Layla, who at the time was seven, eight, eight years old, I think. She um, started riding him a little bit, but she didn't have the relationship with him that Kyla had. So that often didn't work out very well. And they had a whole different kind of adventure when uh, when she was attempting to ride him. Um, but really, Flash and Kyla were so incredibly bonded. And Kyla's mother, Natalie, still says to this day that Flash isn't really broke to ride for anyone except for Kyla. Um, he just accepts her. And they have this, this beautiful, incredible friendship. And it's, it's amazing to see it in person. You can really see how he settles down in her presence and how how they still, even though she can't write him at all anymore, how they still have a beautiful relationship and spend time together. Um, but definitely, uh, like you said, one of the, the, the real sort of uh, threads of tension throughout the book is, is the fact that, uh, you know, Flash was eight years old when they met. He wasn't going to grow anymore. Kyla was a growing young girl. She, she turned 13 right before Tevis. Um, and so, you know, those years, uh, kids tend to grow 12, 13, and she'd had a huge growth spurt. Um, and she's grown so much now. Now, when I see her, she's 14. She's almost as tall as I am. She's about as tall as your mother. So, 
Yeah, that's definitely one of the parts of the story. Um, and then also, of course, we talk about her faith and the bullying really um, affected her faith. And she comes from a family of faith. And it was hard for her to see what was happening to her and, and be so deeply hurt by it and, you know, wonder where, uh, what God's role was and all of that. So we do talk about that a little bit in the book. And that was probably a, a little bit challenging for me just because um, they are LDS and I'm not. And I wanted to be extremely respectful about how I wrote about their faith and represented in, in the right way and uh, really, you know, make sure that I told that part of the story with sensitivity um, so that people who who enjoy hearing about that aspect of their journey enjoyed it, but that it wasn't so overwhelmingly a part of the journey that people who really just wanted to hear about um, her relationship with Flash and, and their adventures, um, you know, would, would be offended in any way, which unfortunately that that happens. So I, I hope we struck a pretty good balance with that. Uh, the same in the documentary, there's there's a balance between telling that aspect of of their story and all of the other aspects that we follow. Um, also, you know, just a great mom and daughter story. And I, I don't know, I'm the mom of boys, so I've had a slightly different experience. Uh, but but Natalie and Kyla, uh, you know, getting to spend that much time with your daughter, at, 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 you know, from the age of uh, nine to 13, which is when the book is is focused, that was a really interesting part of the journey as well. And just seeing what they shared and how their relationship deepened with all of those miles that they rode together um, over those years. And then of course the uh, intensity of riding the Tevis together. Yeah. Um, that I think was a really cool part of the story and, and, and how Natalie and Adam parent their children is, is a really interesting part of getting to know that family. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, I could imagine, or oh, I, that's probably one of the parts which I enjoyed. So about the book a lot is this kind of mother daughter story. I also have a son only. So, um, yeah, uh, he never was that keen about horses than, um, uh, than I am, uh, for instance. So yes, it's, it's, I think nice if you have um, a daughter and you're both in, or it doesn't really matter if it's a daughter or son, but if you enjoy doing the same thing and you can share in, in your hobby, I think this is just very, yeah, it's just very amazing. Um, but yeah. I really enjoyed that. So how is it writing a biography? I mean, you've written fictional books so far. How difficult was it for you? How, or how was it different from just writing a fictional book? It was, it was very different. And I think because obviously you're tied to the facts, you don't get to use your imagination and change the story when you, when you feel like it, you know, uh, Part of the part of the difficulty, um, and it was all wonderful. I, you know, I, I, nothing negative at all. But part of the challenge was um, Natalie lives a very uh, busy, busy life with four children, and for us to find the time just to initially sit down and put a timeline together, uh, which I needed just as a basic framework to be able to write their story. Um, that took a lot of long phone calls, mostly while she was in the car, driving kids back and forth to school or to after school events. Uh, sometimes she'd be out riding her horse. Um, it was rare that I could ever get her to really sit down and focus with me, you know, for, for more than 20 minutes or half an hour. 
And then after we got the timeline down, you know, obviously I needed them to verify and check everything. Um, one of the great things was that Natalie is really organized with her photographs and her videos. So we were able to go back and she basically sent me everything that she had of Kyla and Flash across that four-year period. And so from that, I could really start to put their timeline together. So initially, I, I mostly worked with Natalie just to get that part of the story down and to get the background of their lives and what was going on in their lives during that time period. And then once we got that, it was sort of created in layers, you know, with uh, the main the main layer being Kyla and I sitting down and going through the book chapter by chapter and really talking in depth about what she was going through emotionally at those various times. And I thought it was really brave of her. You know, she uh, she and I get along really well, and I think she feels you know comfortable talking with me. Um, but knowing that this was then going to be out there and in, in the public eye, I wanted to make sure that she was comfortable with everything that we were we were putting in there. And there were some very you know personal things about the bullying and how she felt and what she experienced. She also went through some uh, physical challenges as she was growing, um, which affected her writing and, and sort of brought some big question marks as to what their future was going to be. And she was so open and willing and and just wonderful to to sit down and talk with and to get that emotional layer added to the story. And I really enjoyed that part. So, yeah, very different from fiction where, you know, I'm in the driver's seat the whole time. I felt very much with this one that um, there was a little bit of pressure, you know, to get it right and to make sure that I did justice to what was what was happening. And I told Kyla, you know, I want this to be something that that uh, you can look back on and read to your kids or your grandkids, you know, and they will know about this part of your life and this part of your story. And and I wanted it to be um, a really, really accurate and truthful telling of of what really happened. So I think we got that. You know, we had to condense a few scenes into. Uh, and conversations, you know, just to, to fit the scope of the book. But I think on the whole, we managed to um, to really tell the story in a way that everyone was really happy with and that it also just made a good pacing of the book. Right. Yeah, did they? Um, I, I'm curious, like when you first met them, did you have the idea of, of writing down their story in a book straight away or did it come, you know, a little later? No, I didn't think about it at all um, until I was up at Tevis the, the year that they did it. And I actually, my husband and I were walking around the barn at the fairgrounds where they keep the horses after the race. And um, I was looking at all the horses because it's always interesting to see how, they, how they're doing. You know, sometimes it's only a few hours after they've finished, um, especially if they came in very early in the morning. Uh, so walking around there, I came across Flash and in the stall next to him was Brave and Brave is Natalie's 16 three hand saddlebred, who was the tallest horse at Tevis that year. And then here you have a 46 inch pony, an 11 two pony. Um, and <clears throat> seeing them together, you know, you really see the, the difference in their size and you wonder, I mean, you know, as a rider, sometimes it's very hard to pace if your horses have very different stride lengths and, you know, move differently. Um, Brave is gated. He's a five gated saddlebred. And somehow these two managed to figure out how to go down the trail together and, and do it really well. 
Um, but when I saw them, I was looking at Flash and thinking, you know, how much more work was it for a pony his size to do this? And I knew a little bit about the background of the story from uh, the adventures of Flash, the Hackney Pony, uh, which is their Facebook page. Right. Um, so I was just curious at that point. And to be honest, I was thinking it would make it a, a good kid's story. I was thinking an illustrated book, you know, something that would be fun for young kids to learn about endurance riding and see this cute pony and um, and that that was where the idea started. But but once I started talking to uh, Kyla and Natalie, I realized that there was so much more to their story that I hadn't been aware of and that nobody was really aware of and that it really deserved to be told uh, more as an, a novel length uh, book than as uh, as a children's story. So um, so that's the direction that we took. And luckily, they were open to it uh, when I brought up the idea. And we started working right away, literally, as they were driving home to Utah um, after after the Chavis, we started working on the book. So it worked out really well. Um, and then luckily, we were able to get a publisher on board and uh, get a documentary going. And I wrote a song to go with the, the documentary, which is also going to be a standalone music video. So things have just rolled along. And that's been really fun from a creative standpoint, um, just getting to work in all these different aspects and with incredible people who have who have just been amazing to work with. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty, pretty amazing. I mean, you you produced that or there, there is the documentary about uh, Flash and Kyla as well, um, which is kind of which is really professional and quite long. I think it's about half an hour. And um, it's it's pretty cool. How did you get the idea to do that one? So the documentary came about um Again, you know, partly because they're they're members of the LDS Church, and and there's a nonprofit organization who were putting together a documentary series called Tell Your Story, and it was um, based on very inspirational stories throughout the world and things that people had achieved. Uh, and they actually made this their flagship um, sort of premier documentary for that series. So they came down uh, after the book was was finished. Um, they came down and they filmed for about four months. Uh, they actually flew to Arizona and inter interviewed me in Arizona. They went to St. George several times and filmed um, Flash and, and Kyla and Natalie out in beautiful areas of, of Utah. And also they filmed the family um, and they really put together what I think is a very well-balanced um, inspirational journey you know it was it was a little harder for them to tell some of the backstory but luckily like I said Natalie had a lot of old video and they were able to piece that in with uh the 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 film that they shot and so you don't really see Kyla riding Flash because she can't ride him anymore but you do see some of the historical footage historical from a few years ago when she when she was younger and she was able to ride him And I thought they did a really great job. Um, it's it's beautifully, beautifully shot. And uh, we've we've been having amazing feedback from that. Uh, we just hit today. It's been out on YouTube for 10 days at the, the time that we're talking. Um, it's got over 750 million views around the world. I'm sorry, million, thousand views around the world. We're thinking we're going to get up to a million here in the next few days. And it's just really, really fun to see how the story has spread. And I think, you know, because it is inspirational, I think people love that. And 
Um, they're all falling in love with with Flash, just like I did when I first met him. Yeah, yeah, that's that's right. I I, I loved it. I mean, it's filmed. It's so beautiful countryside down there in Utah where they live and where they ride. Uh, it's pretty amazing. It's really mind blowing. And um, it's basically the story of the book, uh, a bit condensed. Uh, of course, the book offers a lot of more details and the story in in a much more detailed way. Um, uh, but it's it's still enjoyable, particularly after I read the book to to see to watch the documentary. Just just one extra thing on, on that documentary, just a kind of cool side fact, was they did want to get some footage on the Tevis Trail. And obviously, Kyla isn't riding Flash, so there wasn't any point taking them up there. So we made a call out to the endurance community in the Auburn uh, area and got an amazing response. And so we had um, some great riders, a lot of them juniors, who had attempted Tevis or completed it that year. But also we had um, Heather and Jeremy Reynolds, and Jeremy had finished in first place uh, the year that Kyla and Flash did the Tevis um, on his horse, Treasured Moments, um, Treasure. So, so that was really fun. So we have some footage of them clanking across <laughs> uh, No Hands Bridge and riding on parts of the trail, and they did some great drone footage. And I think the biggest challenge for the producer, Jonathan Farrell, was that he got so much good footage that it was hard to condense into, uh, you know, 25 minute documentary, but um, they really did do a great job. They, they uh, were very professional to work with and all of us enjoyed working with them and, uh, you know, looking forward to working with them again on the music video. We still got one more, one more bit of filming to do. So that'll be fun. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, cool. So, um, so what's uh, what's basically? I mean, you must be still in contact with uh, with Kyla and with Flash. So, what's their ending now? I mean, obviously, Kyla is too big now to ride Flash, but I'm sure um, he's still there enjoying his life. Yeah, I, you know, Kyla still says that Flash is her best friend. Uh, that she will never ever give him up to anybody else. Um, she'll let Layla ride him. So there is a little bit of potential for the future there that Flash may be back at the Tevis Trail one day um, with uh, Kyla's sister, Layla. So we're waiting to see how that develops. And as you know, you know, a lot of things have to align um, even to get to the start of Tevis. So, yeah. so we'll see if that happens. Um, but they still have a, a beautiful relationship and, and that's, that's not going to change. Um, I think that... One of the things that you'll find uh, when you talk to Kyla is that she really has a good head on her shoulders and she's very excited about promoting the book and the documentary and sharing sort of the platform of, of bullying. She really wants to go into some schools and use the book to um, to talk to kids so that the kids are aware of the damage that it causes but also kids who are being, being bullied are aware that they can get through it and that there mm -hmm. is, you know, really good stuff on the other side. So I'm really proud of her for that. Um, we'll still be seeing quite a bit of each other because we have commitments for book signings. And uh, I know like in a couple of weeks, we're going to Denver. Uh, we'll be at the Rocky, Mor Rocky Mountain Horse Expo. And they're going to be showing the documentary on all three days that we're there. And we'll be doing a Q&A um, discussion afterwards and hopefully taking some questions from from the audience. So we'll have things like that that uh, we'll continue to do together. And honestly, I can't imagine that this family have been part of my life now for 
uh, almost two years. I can't even imagine, <laughs> you know, not not continuing that relationship and uh, whether it's just as friends or whether we're working on on continuing to promote this project. But um, just just an amazing family. I feel so lucky to have them in my life. That's so cool. So where do you go from here now? I mean, obviously, you have your other books, you have uh, your your projects going on. Um, still, obviously, you'll keep in contact, you'll probably have a lot of more promoting to do for this book. But uh, what's what's your plan for the future with your own writing? So I actually have the second book in the Gallant series, which is called Gallant, The Call of the Mustangs, ready to go. Um, I'd held off publishing it because Uh, because of this project, you know, we wanted to have some space between uh, these two projects launching. So we're shooting for May, June of this year. So it'll be a great summer read for anyone, especially if they have read Gallant, The Call of the Trail. It's a continuation of that story. Um, it's set in Virginia City, Nevada, at the 100-mile historic Virginia City ride. And all of the characters are back, plus some really cool new characters some of whom are based on endurance riders that a lot of people will know. And so it's kind of fun trying to figure out who is who in this book. Um, some of them I use their real names, so that won't be difficult, but others, others are hidden slightly. Um, so I'm really excited about that. We've been getting uh, the, the first reviews back, uh, the endorsements, and they've been really, really good. And it's it's been exciting to take the beginnings of that story and, and develop these characters as they move forward. Um, and so right now what I'm doing is writing the third, which should be the last um, in that series because I'd always planned it as a trilogy. So uh, I just want to make it epic and I already have my storyline and I've started writing it. So I need to get that finished this year. So that'll be the main thing on, on my agenda as well as um, still promoting Race Against Time. Uh, and then we'll see after that, you know, there's always too many books that need to be written in my head than I probably have years left <laughs> to write. So <laughs> never ending list of projects. I hope maybe to do some more song projects too. I really enjoyed, um, this was my second, it'll be my second music video. Uh, one, one I had written for a movie called Union Bound a few years ago, and then sort of got out of songwriting. And this, this gave me a chance to get back into it. And I really enjoyed it. So I'm hoping uh, now I've put together some really great connections for recording studios and things like that and vocalists that I'll be able to continue on that uh, road a little bit too, which is always fun. Wow, that's amazing. So lots of work, lots of books, lots of songs for you and your future. Claire, thank you so much for joining me here today on the Equestrian Ventures podcast. It was amazing talking to you. Thank you. It's always great talking to you. Appreciate it. Exactly. And whoever is interested in your book or as well in the documentary, they uh, I'll link them in the show notes so you can all um, yeah, get all the information you need. Perfect. Thank you so much. And that's it for today's episode. Heather and me want to thank you very much for tuning in to the Equestrian Adventuresses podcast, the show for women who love horses, travel, and adventure. Are you missing a topic or have an interesting story to tell? Contact us through our Facebook group or send us an email on podcast-show at equestrianadventuresses.com. For all information on this episode, check out today's show notes. You can find the link in your podcast player window or just go to the Equestrian Adventures' website under podcast. Here you can find all the information about our virtual workshop, Adventuring with Your Horse, 
our latest free travel guidebook, The Ultimate Equestrian Adventurous's Bucket List, or our 1000 Miles Challenge. So long, everybody. Happy trails! <laughs>